Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. My name is Doug Parker. A review of Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas this week. And staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News, so we'll jump right to him. Hey, Richard. Hello, Doug. So it turns out Icon of the Seas has this overwhelming popularity. Well, nobody loves to talk about breaking records more than Royal Caribbean. I mean, it's the reason that every new ship they build for years and years, they always added an extra inch or two so that they get all that publicity around. Oh, look, this is the world's biggest cruise ship every single time. And the mainstream media falls for it. This news about Icon of the Seas kind of falls into that same breathless hype machine category. And here's what I mean. So Royal Caribbean is basically saying that in response to record sales for Icon of the Seas, they're releasing new sailings from 25, uh, 2025 and 2026 early. But in reality, I mean, yes, the ship is selling like matches at a pyromaniac convention, but the record-breaking sales they're talking about were actually way back in October of last year when Icon was revealed. When they first revealed it and first opened up sales, they had their single largest booking day and the highest volume booking week in their history. So definitely record-breaking. But again, that was back in October of 2022. Flash forward, you know, just about a year, and of course they're releasing dates in 2025 and 2026 for the ship. Keep that money flowing in. Several cruise lines are already taking bookings for way down the line into 25 and 26. And why wouldn't they? That means they have all that nice, fresh-smelling deposit money sitting in the bank for a long time earning interest. It's earning interest in their account as opposed to yours. So, yes, you know, Icon is wildly popular. That's not a surprise. Every new ship that comes down the pike is pretty much popular. I mean, Norwegian said the same thing when Prima came out. The the weird thing here is that they're making this sound as if, like, these records are being broken now, when, as far as I can tell, they're really talking about the records that were broken when the ship first came out. But the good news is, if you want to plan your trips for 25, 26, you're good to go, because, like I said, they are not the only ones. Several other lines are also looking way into the future and releasing itineraries. And a game show that's been proven popular on Carnival ships is being rolled out to, well, even more ships. Yeah, I'm a sucker for game shows on ships. I mean, you will never find anyone in the audience of Deal or No Deal shouting, no deal louder than me. I never want them to take the deal. You know, you're in it. Just go all the way. So about a year ago, Carnival rolled out Family Feud on a couple of their ships. And not surprisingly, it's very popular. So now they're slowly expanding that to more ships in the fleet. Right now, it's really on Celebration and Mardi Gras. Although I have had several people say that they played it on Venezia. I don't know if they were just testing it on Venezia and have pulled it back since then, or if it is on Venezia and they just left that off the press release. It's a little unclear there. But this week, 
weekend, they will be debuting the game show on Carnival Vista. And at the end of September, Carnival Legend will also get it. From there, there's a rollout schedule stretching all the way to December of 2024. What's a little bit odd is how slowly this is being done. Usually when something proves this popular, a cruise line will try and get it on every ship as soon as possible. But this is kind of a complicated show. There's, you know, a lot of, of the set is very involved and there's a lot involved in setting it up and how you get to play and all that. And it, it very closely mimics the setup of the actual TV show. So that might have something to do with it. Uh, and Carnival, their website is going to go dark this weekend, but just for uh, a little while. Right. So if you heard what we were just talking about with Family Feud and they're like, oh, my God, I want to book a trip. I should do that this weekend. Well, don't do it this weekend. Do it next weekend because uh carnival is going to be making some doing some major maintenance on their systems and it's going to impact pretty much every aspect of their site no a travel agent won't really be able to help you either as the system they use for bookings is part of this whole you know i don't know what you want to call it. it's not really a fix it's basically they're just replacing some of the back end I'm sure everyone at Carnival is nervous as a turkey on Thanksgiving Eve because the last thing you want is for something to go wrong when you're basically revamping the entire back end of your site. Honestly, if I were their competition, like if I was Norwegian or MSC or Royal, I would roll out some big sale and promotion this weekend, hoping that people who want to book a cruise and maybe aren't particularly, you know, they don't really care what cruise they book. We, we've talked about these kind of people before who they want to book a cruise. They don't really know that different cruise lines are different. So maybe they start at Carnival. They go there, the site's down and they're like, all right, well, let's go look over here. I would totally take advantage of this period, which is expected to be basically most of Saturday and most of Sunday of this coming weekend. And I would run a promotion and try and get those people to come over to my site. And a cruise ship is grounded in Greenland. You know, as one of the men who's trying to help navigate this tricky situation told the Associated Press, the passengers on board the Ocean Explorer are having what is a very unique experience. It started when their ship ran aground on Monday. Uh, it was hoped that the rising tides might help kind of like, you know, give the ship enough leeway that it could set itself free. But as of Wednesday afternoon, when we're recording this, that hasn't case. Um, a fishing vessel that's owned by the government of Greenland is on its way in the hopes that maybe they'll be able to help. But the more, you know, that seems unlikely as it's not a huge vessel. There's a little bit more hope where this Danish Navy ship that's heading toward the location is concerned. But that ship isn't expected to arrive until Friday. Now, there's no immediate danger to any of the 206 passengers and crew members who are on board. And in fact, we've read reports saying that, you know, they're having a pretty good time and they're being kept entertained by the staff sharing tales of their past adventures and stuff like that. Um, but there could eventually be environmental concerns, especially given that the spot where the ship is stranded is a national park. So, you know, you, you get a little worried when you start having to do things um, like remove a ship from, a, you know, whatever it's stranded upon when it's in an, you know, an ecologically protected area. One thing that caused a bit of confusion is that early news stories reported that this was a Norwegian ship, leading some to think that it was a Norwegian cruise line ship. It's not it is not only not a Norwegian cruise line ship, it turns out it's not even a Norwegian ship, but rather a Danish ship, which is registered in the Bahamas. Uh, hopefully, by the time we report news 
next week, the people will be off of that ship. And Bahamas is touting tourism and dollars. <laughs> Long story short, the Bahamas is raking in dough and we'll be making a whole lot more come January when the new tax that's being imposed goes into effect. Right now, the Bahamian Ministry of Tourism, try saying that three times really fast, reports that um, they've already exceeded their 2023 goals thanks to receiving almost 5.9 million visitors in the first seven months of the year, with that expected to go as high as 8 million or more by the year's end. When you do a deeper dive into the numbers, it turns out that about 80% of tourists who arrive in the Bahamas do so by cruise ship. And that kind of really makes sense when you consider that cruise ships arrive Every day, usually several, with thousands of passengers on board, you know, just massive amounts of people, uh, all of whom are replaced the following days. Those who arrive by air, however, which is a much, much, much smaller percentage, they generally stay longer than, a, than just a day. And they're, when you do the math, which was never really my specialty, but when you do that, obviously the cruise-related numbers are going to dwarf those of pretty much any other form of transportation to and from the island, including air. Those numbers also in indicate that March was the busiest month, not only of the year, but in Bohemian history, with over 951,000 visitors arriving. That is a busy port. So Virgin Voyages gets another $550 million investment. What does this mean except avoiding bankruptcy? Well, call me crazy, but the announcements coming out of Virgin Voyages this week left me thinking there might be big trouble at the fledgling cruise line. I mean, they sought an influx of $550 million, and that comes on top of the $550 million they sought less than a year ago. That's a lot of money to have to be going in, you know, hat in hand, asking. Asking for. They also replaced their CEO. Their latest ship, the Brilliant Lady, is being delayed despite having been floated out of the dock back in November. Um, they're saying it's due to supply line issues, and I'm not saying I question that, but on top of everything else going on, and they're also going in and shaking up a bunch of their itineraries and going to new ports, and it just all combined leaves me with a lot of questions because that's a lot of changes to be coming down the pike at one time. Remember, Virgin came into the market determined to shake up the industry by doing things differently. And from the start, reviews were sort of mixed. People seemed to either really love what they were doing or really, I won't say hate it, but maybe strongly dislike the way that they were sort of doing things differently. They also came on super strong as indicated by the fact that they were making plans for the fourth ship's debut less than three years after their first ship welcomed passengers on board. From the start, I sort of worried about that approach that by, you know, going so hard and so heavy and ordering so many ships when you didn't really have any ships making money yet, because remember, you know, the, the, their first ship was delayed quite a while because of the pandemic. So for them to be pouring more and more and more money into these ships without any time to see, hey, how did this work on the first ship? What adjustments can we make on, well, the third or fourth ship? You know, it might have been a little bit smarter to roll out the first two ships and then take a step back and say, okay, what do we want to adjust? Because as we've learned over the years, you know, 
once your first ship is out there, if you're building, say, four or five ships within um, a certain class, by the time the first ship is out there and you learn a few things, you can't really make adjustments to the second ship. If you're lucky, maybe you can do it to the third, certainly the fourth. But because of the time that it takes from the moment that plans are drawn to the moment the ship is floated out and basically done with construction, there's, there's you know, it's, it's a long process. So if you float out your ship in January of 2020 and your next ship is coming out in February of 2021 or, you know, or even earlier, that doesn't leave you much time to make changes. I think that Virgin is, I personally, this is just me personally, I think Virgin is in a little bit of trouble and the next year will be very interesting to see what adjustments they make and are they able to pull themselves out of what sounds like a not-so-great situation. There was a big to-do at Disney over the weekend, and they announced some things with Disney Cruise Line. What kind of conference was this, Richard? Disney has a couple of different things. They have this thing called D23 that they do, I think, every two years, and that one is huge. People come from all over the world. They make lots of big announcements. This other one, I can't remember. I think this is called Destination Disney or some such thing. And it's a little bit smaller. It's, you know, you do get a lot of Disney fans, but it's it's where they tend to announce ideas that um, don't necessarily come to fruition. They need, they need things to announce. So a lot of times they'll announce things that are coming to the parks that don't actually end up coming to the parks. They're still in development when they're announced, or it's an idea on somebody's drawing board. Things that are announced at the big main event are usually pretty solid. They even have like, you know, <laughs> video roles and they're, they're ready to really talk about them. At this one, it's a little less specific. But when it came to their announcement for the cruise line, that was um, pretty much locked in and it's, it's a go. What's interesting is this. A year or so ago, people started speculating that one of Disney's new ships would be named the Adventure. There was a display somewhere, maybe on one of the ships or maybe in one of the parks. I can't quite remember, but it included the words treasure and adventure, as well as the names of Disney's existing ships. Ships and treasure had not yet been announced at that time. So it led to a lot of talk among cruise fans that someone had screwed up and incorporated the names of the upcoming ships into this, like it was like a wallpaper or something. Well, flash forward a while, and guess what? We already have the Disney treasure that they announced plans for. Uh, we talked about them last week on last week's show. Now the company has revealed that the mega ship they bought when Genting went bankrupt is going to be named. Ta-da! The Disney Adventure. Other than that, we don't know a whole lot about this ship. I mean, it's going to be deployed to Asia when it goes into service in 2025, and it's really, really big, especially for Disney. It's like 6,000 passengers. So that was one of the things that they did officially announce this week was the Disney Adventure. Some of the other stuff they announced was more about the Disney parks, and it's really fascinating. And if half of what they talked about were to come to pass, it would be very cool for Walt Disney World, but it probably won't. And before we get to the listener question, a quick update on that Royal Caribbean ship up in Alaska. Yeah, good news for that ship. You might recall that um, we talked last week about how, thanks to propulsion issues, 
news, it had been stuck in Seward, Alaska, and they had to cancel a couple of cruises, and nobody knew exactly when it would be, the situation would be resolved and they would be able to start sailing again. Well, it turns out they will sail tomorrow. So folks who have probably been very nervously wondering if their cruise was going to happen this weekend or not, they can take a deep breath and start packing their bags because yes, on Friday, it will begin sailing again. And listener question comes from Stephen over in Nebraska. He says, after your segment with the exec at Trip Insurance, it had my wife and I wondering just how much does a trip to the hospital on board a cruise ship cost? This is a little bit tough to answer because much like a visit to the emergency room on land, it depends a lot on various factors. Why are you there? How long are you there for? What types of procedures? or meds did you need? Was it during the time that they have staff on duty or was it during off hours, which by the way, is a lot of hours. I'm always surprised that medical facilities on ships have in many cases, really limited hours. I don't know exactly why that is because, you know, it's not like the doctors can get off the ship. They've got to be there. Um, But just like with any other doctor, if they have to make a cabin call as opposed to you going to the medical center, that's an additional cost. One mistake a lot of people make is to think that their regular medical insurance will cover their visit to the medical center on a ship, but very few insurances actually cover something like that. They don't cover it on a ship. They probably won't cover it in a foreign country, except under very specific circumstances, or if, as someone who travels a lot, you make you know, special arrangements and, and buy a special type of policy. So to break out that old record and play my favorite song, don't get on a ship without travel insurance ever, period. Because even if you're not going to use it most of the time, you don't want to not have it when you need it. I will say, um, in my experience, for minor visits to the medical center, it's not terribly bad. I mean, I had pink eye on a trip, so I had to go to the medical center and they gave me the drops. And, you know, that came to the whole thing came to around, I want to say $250, something like that, which again was covered by my medical insurance. And uh, I also had a um, an incidence of vertigo and had to go to a medical center. And that one was a little more expensive because of the meds that they gave me. But uh, in that case, it was around $350, I think. But those are minor things. If you're going to the medical facility on the ship for something, you know, even a little bit more serious, well, not surprisingly, the more the more serious it is or the more time you spend in the medical center, the more that bill is going to cost. So, you know, it's always best to be careful and be protected with insurance. Absolutely. All right. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thank you, my friend. Always glad to. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, America's trusted voice of the cruise industry. Last fall, Kurt and his family did a seven-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas up there in the New York City metro area. Uh, Kind of a late airing this one. It was kind of hiding in one of the files there, so my apologies, Kurt. But it's still the same cruise ship as Kurt was on to this very day. So that's good news for you. Kurt, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thank you. Let's get some pre-cruise thoughts here. You're up in the Maryland area, and this ship sails out of Cape Liberty, New Jersey. Uh, was it just because you were close to it? So you're like, hey, let's just jump on it? Oh, yeah. That's definitely an overriding factor with air travel the way it is now. Being able to drive there is a huge advantage. So between that and the price, it was my birthday. Friends were going to go with us. It, was, it all worked out. Just perfect. Nice. So you make your way from Maryland to Bayonne to get on the ship. How was embarkation? Oh, man, it was great. Um, we were scheduled at 1030 and we boarded right about that time, 1030, uh, 1045. I think I parked the car at like 10 o'clock and wow. got everything arranged. Now, is it mostly like electronic embark now where you're just basically there's scanning a piece of paper and you're walking through, through, through after security? Um, yeah, we had to sit for a few minutes, but we, I mean, we were so early that it wasn't a big surprise. So sure. it was it was pretty easy to do. And yeah, I, th- I believe it was all electronic. Very nice. So you make your way on board, Oasis. How, have you been on there before? I have been on Allure. So okay. it's the same class ship, but I hadn't been on Oasis before. So what was your first impressions of Oasis? I, you know, it's pretty similar from that regard, but it had been amped. So there were a few things that are actually not still not on Allure from what I understand, water slides and, um, I don't know, different restaurants and so forth. So it was good. I, I, it's an interesting class of ship because it's so huge. Yeah, it is for sure. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have for the weekend? What did you think of it? It was a boardwalk view, the very last cabin so that we could see the water show through the slides that were on the back end. So that was, that was the plan anyway, is that we were going to just kick back and enjoy the water show several times. That happened to be the week that uh, the hurricane rolled through. What is it? Ira, I believe. And so they didn't hold it very many times, but we did see it the first time. And I watched it on a balcony the second time. As far as like your, your space in there. And uh, I guess you had great sight lines, huh? Yeah, it was pretty good, actually. I mean, there was there's a bend in the water slide, and you can look right through. You're on the eighth floor, very last cabin in the boardwalk view category. The The rooms were fine. I mean, they're kind of typical Royal Caribbean rooms, mm-hmm. I think. Decent balcony, spacious inside, uh, enough storage for us, for sure. There's only two of us. We had friends that were right across the hallway from us, but uh, we had similar experience with that. We We felt pretty comfortable in the room. Let's talk about dining throughout the week on Oasis of the Seas. We'll start at the top at the Windjammer. How was the, uh, how was the food there, the service, the crowds, and everything? Well, I got to confess that I got the uh, ultimate dining package, and I never once set foot in the Windjammer the not whole time. For, not, not one time, <laughs> not for cookies or anything. Nope. 
I, I could hit cookies up in other places, so I didn't go <laughs> in there. I did hear comments that it was a nightmare. Okay. So I don't know if that was true or not, but I heard it was pretty busy. And I heard that there were some folks that were not very good at visiting buffets, right? Like okay. putting food back and that kind of thing. So I was happy to have the dining package. Yeah, they were lacking a little bit of etiquette, huh? Yeah, that's that's what I hear. I didn't yeah. witness that. No, I, 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 I see it all the time. I think uh, that's uh, that's just where we live now, it seems like. Um, so then how about the main dining room? Did you have what time dining did you have? And how was your experience in there throughout the week? Well, we, I mean, we ate at specialty all week long. Okay. So you, you legit did specialty every single dinner then like no. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. What specialty restaurants did you hit? First lunch, we went to Giovanni's and, um, it was good. Personally, I, I really like Jamie's Italian. We do Anthem. We've done it a few times. I personally think that's a little bit better because Giovanni's is not the upgraded one that they put on other ships. It's, Mm. uh, traditional Giovanni's. We did uh, Azumi Hibachi one night. It's a little tight in there. So after we did it once, we were like, okay, that's good. Uh, We did go back to the Azumi specialty uh, sushi side, and that was fun. Went to 150 Central Park a couple of times. I thought it was good. My wife thought it was a little too foofy, I guess. You know, just like not the typical meat and potato kind of thing. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, just a little more upscale than she was really looking for. Chops was the best one I've ever been to. Service was great and uh, really enjoyed it. We went to, where did we go? Uh, Portside Barbecue. I went three times. I'm a huge barbecue fan. So that was, uh, that was really good. So question for you, Kurt, like with the, like, let's just say Azumi uh, or like the steakhouse. So once we prepay this ultimate dining package and the gratuities and everything, yep. is there any extra upcharges or are you set to order whatever you want once you sit down at the teppanyaki table? I think they've changed it. Well, the teppanyaki, the hibachi table, I'll say that since I can't pronounce the other okay. word very well. That was an upcharge, I think of $10, mm-hmm. but that's the only one I can remember that had an upcharge. I think that's mostly to kind of slow the reservations down because there's obviously not as much room there as there are the other restaurants. Yeah. It takes a little time, you know, and they're in your, it's a smaller room. So I think that's why they charge that. But anything else was just included. And now I, I know that from what I understand, they've changed some of the rules for the specialty, the ultimate dining package, where there's a limit to how many times you can go to the more casual ones. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's in a day. I don't I don't know how the ruling is then, but or now rather. But when we went, um, you could go as many times as you wanted. They also have a Playmakers, and that's um, that was an upcharge place. And so that was included as well. Sounds like... Uh... You didn't have to go to the buffet at all or the main dining room. No, I yeah. did not. And I did not. That's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Now, how about like uh, pizza around the ship or a park cafe or anything? Um, well, we did pizza at uh, Sorrento's mm-hmm. and um, I think their pizza is pretty good. I know this pizza is kind of a subjective thing, but sure. uh, yeah, we had it and it was good. There's an El Loco Fresh, which uh, is a complimentary uh, Mexican restaurant with you know some quick service items. I thought it was okay. It was a big line. I didn't give it many chances because I didn't want to wait in the line, mm-hmm. but uh, generally uh, that seemed good. How about the entertainment on this seven night cruise? What'd you think of it? 
the water show, the Aqua show, I think it's called Aqua 80. That is, that's just fantastic. The music is right down my alley and it was uh, a great show. I'm afraid a lot of people didn't get to see it because of the weather, but uh, we saw it the first night and it was actually sprinkling a little, a little. It's just fantastic. I mean, I've only seen the other water show on Allure. It's pretty similar in terms of structure, but uh, all the music is fantastic in it. Uh, we saw the ice show, which was, I think the theme is Hans Christian Andersen, like fairy tale kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I really didn't expect much, but the, I mean, the ice dancers are great, right? And the show was actually better than I thought. And the music was a little more modern day than I thought as well. So I, I really enjoyed that a lot more than I expected to. How about uh, like music around the ship? Um, generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a great band called uh, Phoenix. Enjoyed them a lot. We saw them at the in the theater. Uh, they were fantastic. They, you know, it was a good cover band. Yeah. Um, normally I do the schooner bar, but the first time we went to go, the, there was some sort of scheduling conflict or something. And the player was a no show and we didn't really follow up after that. What else did we see? We saw, there was a singer from America's Got Talent. Pretty good. Enjoyed them. Oh, there was cats, but that got canceled due to the seas, but they did do a, like a singing version of different Broadway songs. So good. Probably not my favorite. The casino, as far as like the smoke situation in and around it, was it noticeable? Oh, yeah. It was particularly bad there. I've been on other ships that are older and smaller, and that casino was pretty bad. I didn't want to be in there. And I, I'm not generally that bothered by the smoke, but uh, it, it was, we didn't even want to walk through sometimes, you know, when mm-hmm. we, when it was the closest way, we would just hustle through there trying to get out of it quickly. Right. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Um, pretty crowded. I mean, you know, the, it's a pretty big ship and there are spots that Port Canaveral, we did not get off. And, you know, a lot of people didn't either because the weather was really not that great. Um, so, you know, that was pretty similar to a sea day where there's a lot of people out on deck. So it's crowded. It's not impossible to find a seat, but it's such a big ship. If we get separated, it was tough to catch up again. Yeah, I hear you. So then let's talk about, you said you didn't get off the ship in Cape Canaveral. So uh, Nassau, Bahamas, did you do anything? Uh, our friends that went with us, they got off in Nassau. The weather was not good. They didn't stay off very long. We did not. I've been to Nassau several times and didn't have any plans to do anything there. And then later that day it poured. So they got back in time before the rain came in, but a lot of people were just drenched when they were coming back in. Wow. So I, there wasn't a lot of touring on this trip. And how about perfect day? Perfect day was a little overcast, and as I recall, the wind, the it was kind of iffy whether we were going to dock or not because it was uh, just windy. So they held off until the bitter end, and then we did. We were able to dock, and it turned out the weather was okay. It was it was fine. Nice. It was uh, it was it was a great day. I mean, I I love Coco Cay, and uh, we just kind of hit a sweet spot with the weather that was going through there. What do you normally do on the island? Uh, we hang out by the pool. We'll grab a lounge chair that's nearby and then, uh, make our way over to the swim up bar for a while and just, uh, you know, grab snack shack and the buffet, but 
nothing, nothing true dramatic. I haven't done that many different things there. Mm-hmm. Wandered around a little bit. We, we walked through the stall of the, uh, straw market when we were there this time. And it was, it was just a, a nice, pleasant day. Turned out to be great. Were y'all the only ship in port? Uh, no, we weren't. Um, I don't remember the other ship that was there though. Gotcha. But it wasn't that bad. Yeah. We were the first ones in. There were the other ship got in before we did that. Gotcha. So you make your way back up to New Jersey. Now I'm curious with uh, Hurricane Ian swarming around out there, did it impact the weather or anything from the Bahamas up to the Northeast? We were riding right in front of it. So, okay. I mean, it's a big ship, but it was moving around pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the others in my party were, they were a little green, yeah. but um, I it didn't bother me too much. I mean, it's it was moving around, though. There's no question about that. We were rocking. Very nice. So um, you make your way back to Bayonne. How was debark for y'all? Um, pretty easy. Not, not a problem. It's it's an easy in and out of place we you exit right by the parking garage we walked into the parking garage got out of there pretty quickly it's pretty easy the worst part is is the there's a queue in the elevators i didn't have to take the elevators so i didn't have that big a problem but um that gets lined up but so if you park low it's not that big a problem to get in and out of there it's facial recognition for the customs and you just pretty much walk right out of there if you don't have anything to declare did you uh, notice like during the shows or anything? I know you had the ba- your balcony view for the water show, but do they require like advanced reservations for different shows on board? Like you can't just show up and sit down. Like is there like a standby queue or something if you don't sign up for it? Yeah, there's a standby queue for sure. I mean, we reserve a comedy show and that had a big lineup, you know, where we walked in. Um, the water show, big lineup. We were able to walk in. I show, yeah, same thing. I mean, uh, every show we had reservations for, there was a standby line waiting to get in. Were you able to make those reservations before your cruise or did you have to wait until you were on board? Uh, in this case, we had to do it when we were on board. Gotcha. So as soon as I got on, I tried to make sure that all the specialty restaurants were lined up. I did make some changes later, but um, that and show times, just trying to make sure that we had our pick of everything. And we'd gotten on super early, so it was pretty easy to do. Do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone sailing Oasis of the Seas? Well, that's a good one, is to make your reservations really quickly as soon as you can. And they, they may be offering that before you go now. I know that that's the case on an upcoming sailing we have on a different ship. Don't miss Coco Cay. It's, a, it's an awesome place to go, and don't stay on the ship for that one. Yeah. It's pleasant, and it's... And it's uh, comfortable to be in. Um, it's I really love it. And don't miss the uh, Aqua 80 show. That's awesome. So book it as soon as possible because that one definitely fills up. That's probably the biggest booking on the on the ship from what I can tell. Did you have either the drink package or the Wi-Fi package? Um, I get some diamond drinks. So I don't. I we usually get a refreshment package so mm-hmm. I can get waters and stuff like that. Um, we did have one Wi-Fi package that my wife used and I, I think it worked pretty well. Although there were a lot of interruptions because of weather. So that wasn't unexpected though. Yeah. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for y'all? Uh, for me, it was traveling with my friends. That doesn't help a lot of other people, but um, we had a great time and it was, it was a lot of fun traveling with other folks. It's not something we get to do very often. Enjoyed Coco Cay. Uh, and all of the specialty restaurants were, were a lot of fun. I 
don't know if I do that. It, I guess it depends on the price. It, mm-hmm. it was fun, but uh, I don't know if it's worth lots of money to do it. We got a good price on it. Very That's nice. a lot more than one. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> so in closing here, then your final thoughts of Oasis of the Seas. It's an active ship. I, there's a lot of things to do. I zip lined and, you know, did what I could do on the ship. I don't flow ride though. Cause I end up with a face full of water and <laughs> I don't really enjoy it that much, but um, everything else is just, there's so much to do. We did the escape room. Oh, you know what? That's a highlight. I didn't bring up is uh, we did the escape room and that was a lot of fun. That's like NASA based. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would highly recommend that. Is the escape room, if you, if you get claustrophobic, is escape room, could you have issues in there or is it really, you, there's plenty of space in there? You have a host. So if it did bother you, I, I suppose you could say, hey, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. But it's a fairly good sized room. Gotcha. There's, there's plenty of room to move around. It's not any more claustrophobic than, I don't know, some of the bars. Okay. Really. You know, it's, it, it is closed off. I mean, that's the whole idea behind it. But sure. It's certainly not small. Gotcha. There were six consoles, I think, inside of it. You mm-hmm. know, like the like you see in a NASA, an old NASA shot. You know, where there all the, con- the rolls of yep. consoles. So, you know, it's it's got enough floor space for that and moving around it. Very nice. Well, it sounds like an awesome cruise. We've been talking with Kurt about his seven nights sailing on Oasis of the Seas. Kurt, great talking to you again, my friend, and I look forward to the next one. All right, great. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 